We are honored to have Phyllis with us. Before she comes, let me just say this. Um, next week, we're going to start a series called At Our Core, and we will not be giving away apples. Um, we will be talking about um, values, things that we at the gathering value. Um, it will be a great, great series. So I'm going to share one with you real quick, and then Phyllis is going to come. At the gathering, we value uncontainable growth and expect and prepare for the Lord to multiply his kingdom exponentially through us. Let me break that down real quick. Now, we'll spend a whole Sunday on that, but let me give you the nutshell. It means that we fully expect God, like he did in Acts, to add to our number daily. We fully expect God to do something so amazing through the gathering that we can't contain it. Think about this. What do churches typically do? They start to meet, and then they start a building campaign, and then they build a building. And there's nothing wrong with that. Except when you build a building, you say to God, here's the container, fill it. In Acts, when Peter got up to preach, if they had had a building that seated, let's just give them a thousand. They've been huge. But when the Lord added 3,000 in one day, that's uncontainable growth. That's the kind of growth that makes leaders do this. Oh, God, what are we going to do? And we value that here. I hope that I always am at home saying, or on my knees anywhere saying, oh, God, what now? It also means this. When you value uncontainable growth, you actually value sharing the gospel with people that will never come to your church. You value missions. You value other people that believe in Christ in other countries. And we talked about India. Um, today you're going to hear a lot about Peru. Do we, do we just want to reach the people that we can put in our container? And if we do, then we'll never support a missionary in Peru because that's stupid. You would invest all of your money here so that your church can be the biggest ever. I don't care about that. I want to see uncontainable growth. I want to get to heaven someday. I'm not sure I want to hear the Ray Bolt song, Thank You, playing, but I want to get to heaven someday. And if you've never heard of that, you can just YouTube it, but you don't have to. Don't waste your time. There's other songs to listen to. Um, but I want to get to heaven someday, and I just want God to say, Hey, Paul, just for a second, close your eyes. And me just do this, and he'll go, just hold on. Okay, one, two, three, open. And I want to open my eyes, and I just want to see a sea of humanity. And I want to say to God, where did they come from? And I want him to say, they came through you. People you never met. I want it to be such a large multitude that I would go, God, if I had all the money in the world. I'm reading through G90X. If you're still doing G90X, you're either really behind or you're scrambling like me to catch up. Okay? But one thing I noticed is when they built the temple in the Old Testament, it cost $250 billion. You can spend all that money on a temple and never have one big enough for the multitudes that God wants to reach through our church. I believe in uncontainable growth. And so we applaud missionaries. We applaud any effort that will reach people that don't know Jesus, even if they don't come to our church. That's what it's all about. Make sense? So come on, Phyllis. She's coming up here, and she's going to share. She's all the way from Peru. Give her a big old hand as she comes.
you guys are in for a treat. Um, man, she's doing a great work. Let's just pray for her right now, and then I'll get out of the way. Lord, thank you for Phyllis. Thank you for what you've called her to do. It is amazing where you take us when we simply say, I'm yours. And her story is not unique. There are people sitting here right now this morning who are experiencing the same thing. And we just say to you, I'm yours. God, I like to think of it as being currency in your hands. I am money in your hands. And we want you to spend us wherever you get the most return for your investment. And I know that you're spending, Phyllis. You are multiplying your kingdom through her. And we thank you this morning just to be a small part of that. Just to be a small partner with her. But that through her ministry, God, we get to experience uncontainable growth. Oh, that's exciting. And we thank you for it. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Good morning. It's great to finally come and visit you guys here at the gathering. I'm so privileged to be here this morning. Um, Paul was talking about missions, and I had a, I was very young when I first received the missionary call. Um, I was a bus kid, rode the bus to church every Sunday morning in Kansas, and it was during those early years that the Lord would speak to me when I would be laying in my bed at night, and I would think about helping people in another country. And, of course, I didn't know what in the world that meant, how I would ever do that. But um, as I grew older, I was like, a missionary? God, I can't be a missionary. Oh, I'll have to go to another country and learn another language and another culture. And that just, that seems difficult, God. I just, I can't do that. And for many years, I told the Lord no. And uh, it was back in 2001 when there came the day, the moment, when I said, God, I will go where you want me to go, and I will do what you want me to do. And it's only by the grace of God uh, that he has helped me to go to another culture and adjust and adapt and to learn another language. I was in Costa Rica for one year before I went to Peru. I was in Honduras for two years prior to language school and worked with another missionary, and my Spanish was really bad. It was so bad that I must share this story with you. Some of you have heard it. Some of you haven't. But um, we had a team in, a construction team, and I was working with this other missionary. And, you know, she was sending me out with the evangelism teams because I had just enough Spanish to get by in speaking with the children. And uh, so the medical doctors and the pharmacists and all were back at the base, you know, helping the people and handing out medications. And then the next day... One of the translators called in sick, and Becky came to me, and she said, you're it. You're going to translate for a doctor today. And I said, but I talk to children, and I don't know that I can translate for a doctor. And she said, well, you know more Spanish than anybody else here, so you're going to translate for a doctor today. And I said, well, okay. And so I go to the clinic, and... I introduced myself to the doctor who thinks I'm 100% fluent in the language, and I didn't have the heart to tell him I wasn't. And the patients began coming in, and for, for the first little bit, they were saying that, you know, that they needed vitamins, and they had a headache, and I was understanding pretty well, and I was like, oh, well, this isn't as bad as I thought. Well, then this teenage boy comes in, and, the, and he started speaking, and I was like, oh, no, I, don't have, I have no idea what he just said to me. 
And the only word I got in Spanish was constipado, which to me sounded like he was constipated. So I thought, okay, and I translated to the doctor, you know, he's constipated. And the doctor's like, oh, we can help him with that. And, you know, and the doctor gives him some medicine. You know, he says, thank you. We say, thank you for coming in. We prayed with him, and he left. And I thought, well, this isn't so bad. Well, so then this old elderly guy comes in, doesn't have any teeth, and he was trying to talk to me, and I was like, oh, no. Can't even make out one Spanish word that he's saying to me. And so I had this dictionary, this Spanish-English dictionary in my hand, and I'm flipping through, thinking, oh, God, help me. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I was flipping through the seas and found the verb constipar, which is a form of constipado. And lo and behold, it doesn't mean to be constipated. It means to be congested. <laughs> and so um, I frantically ran out of the clinic in search of the young man with the wrong medication. And we found him and uh, got the situation cleared up. So anyway. But then I went to Costa Rica and I learned Spanish and now I do much better, but only by the grace of God because it was difficult to learn. But anyway, I've been in Peru for three years, um, just came home November 29th and uh, really enjoyed my first term in Peru and uh, met a lot of great people, um, have become connected throughout the country in a ministry called Latin America Child Care. And, uh, it is a ministry that transforms children with the gospel of Jesus Christ through education and other ministries of compassion. I'd like to tell you about that ministry this morning. It began in 1963 in the country of El Salvador with um, the missionaries um, John and Lois Bueno. Uh, they were missionaries there for many years, and one night John was on his way home, and he stopped at a corner, and he saw this little boy standing on the corner, which quickly ran to his car window, seeing if he wanted to buy a newspaper. And it was about 11 o'clock at night, and you know, nobody's going to want to buy a newspaper at 11 o'clock, the day's over. And John said, asked the young boy, how come you're not home? And the boy said, well, my mom says I can't come home until I've sold all the newspapers. And he still had some newspapers left, so John bought all of his newspapers so the boy could go home. And it was that night that birthed in John and Lois's heart that there was such a need for the children in El Salvador. The poor children weren't going to school, they weren't getting an education, they had no hope of breaking their chains of poverty. So it was out of that story that they developed a school, a Latin American child care school, for the poor children there in El Salvador, and uh, that's how it was birthed in 1963, through, through this story and through the vision that God gave these missionaries. Now, since then, Latin America Child Care has um, grown to over 21 countries, and over the last 46 years, over a million children have attended a Latin American Child Care school. And on a daily basis, we minister to about 100,000 children a day. And um, I'm just so blessed to be a part of this ministry. Um, one branch of it, though it's not completely just, this is not just what LACC is all about because we do do a lot of other things. But one thing is a sponsorship program where you can sponsor a child for $32 a month 
and it covers their education, sometimes one meal a day, depending on if we have a feeding program in that school. Sometimes it covers a uniform. Sometimes it covers minor medical attention and things like that. Um, other ministries of compassion that we do, uh, just like in Honduras, we bring in a lot of teams from the states, medical evangelism and construction. Right now we have um, some construction programs going on in Peru. We currently have six schools throughout the country. And uh, we got two in the jungle. We got two in the capital city of Lima, where I'm based out of. We have a school isolated in the Andes Mountains, and then we have a school up the northern coast, close to the Ecuador border. And just a little thing about Peru, it's a very big country. It's about the size of Alaska. And so if you leave Lima, you feel like you are in another country because Peru has three different climates, uh, three different landscapes. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. And so um, I'm very privileged to be able to travel to these schools on a regular basis to administrate the sponsorship program that we have in the schools and also to do other ministry opportunities. Um, one of those opportunities is we just had a kids camp in one of our schools back in September and another missionary and I went up there to teach. And now the kids in our schools, they know a lot about Jesus because their teachers teach them on a daily basis about Jesus and and so they know a lot of the Bible stories. But what the great need is in Peru, in our schools, is to go in and disciple them and put into them morals and values and teach them not just the Bible stories but how to apply them to their lives. And uh, so it's a real blessing to be able to go to the schools and spend several days with some really neat kids and uh, just tell them about Jesus and, and just help them apply what the Bible says to them and how they can put that into their lives. You see, we can go in and we can go in with our feeding programs and we can go in with teams and parasite medications and we can go in day after day and provide their physical needs. And that's a great thing. It really is. But at the end of the day, if we've not shared Jesus with them and if we do not work to disciple these kids, to where they can graduate from their schools, have a chance to go to the university, and break the chains of poverty, then at the end of the day, if we've not given them Jesus, if we've not given them hope, then we've given them nothing. And that's what LACC is all about. Um, we also help the teachers. We do teacher retreats, spiritual renewal retreats for the teachers. Uh, we go in them and help them with their teaching resources. Um, as missionaries, we are blessed to be resourceful with how to get better teaching materials for them, curriculum, although we don't choose the curriculum. If it's needed, if they ask for it, we are able to help in that area as well. Um, just to talk a little bit about our schools in the jungle. Um, the jungle is a very low-key way of life, um, very laid-back. Um, I wouldn't say lazy, but very laid back. It's just how it is there. And, you know, a North American mindset, you go to the jungle and you're like, oh, I can help these people. They just need to do this, 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 and this. But, you know, you're not going to change a culture. You're not going to go there and one person's not going to change the culture of an entire region. But we are able to go in and help them, give them leadership skills, 
financial skills, how to budget their money for the schools and all this stuff, and uh, it is a really great opportunity. Um, one thing that happens, you'll see in the pictures here in a moment, that in the jungle, our two schools flood three months out of the year. It is a way of life for them. They don't think it's strange. They just, when rainy season starts and the rain comes down, they're like, oh, we've got to get out our canoes because we're going to have to go to the market in a canoe, we're going to have to take the kids to school in a canoe. And the rains can get up to between six and nine feet for three months out of the year. Um, also in all of our schools and throughout the country, the thing that prevails the most is alcoholism. It is rampant throughout the country. And uh, because of that, there is a lot of abuse. Um, any type of, of abuse you can think of, it exists and uh, especially in our schools in the jungle. So last year, LACC Peru um, has a curriculum now that we are going to go in and we are going to teach our teachers this curriculum on abuse so the teachers can teach it to the parents of the children. And uh, we're really excited about this curriculum because you can, you can walk into some of our schools and you can look into the eyes of some of the kids and you can just know that there is a need to have this issue addressed. And uh, what do you say when a, a school director walks a handful of children up to you and says you need to talk to these kids because they don't talk in school and there's really bad problems at home and they look at you as the missionary, can you fix this? And uh, it's, real, it's really sad when I can't fix it for them in one day and so we've seen the need that we, we need to address this situation, and so we're going to start taking this curriculum to the schools because another opportunity we have is if we can reach the child, we have opportunity to reach their family as well and the community. Um, a lot of things have been going on in Peru in the last three years. We have come up against some real gov government opposition. The dominant religion in Peru is Roman Catholicism. And so any evangelical ministry, you know, the government kind of wants to turn their head away from, wants, wants it to shut down, to be honest. And the government was funding some uh, salaries for our teachers in our two schools in the jungle, but because our school is not a Catholic school, they have stopped all of that funding and the school is now faced with either letting a certain amount of teachers go, which means you also have to get rid of your high school grades, or to try to keep paying them out of the money that the school brings in from tuition. So there's just opposition like that. Um, I just found out last night that the missionaries that are there now working with LACC their names are Bill and Lena Schrader, and I work with them. We're a team. We work together. And uh, just over the last two or three days, someone had gotten a copy of their credit card and has drained their entire account. So uh, be in prayer for them. Hopefully they'll be able to get it back. But um, they had money in there for some teams that were coming up this month, and they had some money in there for their, child's, their children's school tuition, and it's been completely drained. So... Um, for years, the devil has been trying to stop Latin American child care in Peru. 
with other government oppositions um, that have come up, um, some other legal issues that are that the devil is trying to stop Latin America child care. But in spite of that, we are growing and we are gaining sponsorships and we are gaining more children in the schools and we continue to have opportunity after opportunity to go and to minister. So that is a prayer request and a praise report. Now I have some pictures I want to show you. Oh, I'll stand over here and go to the next one. Okay, this is in the jungle. This is in Iquitos. This is Pastor Jose. And that's the canoe we had to go in to get to the school that day because the waters are up. Let me go to the next one. The waters here are about six feet right now deep, and all of the houses and everything are built on stilt-like wooden stilts. And that's not a church or anything. I just wanted you to see the water. Okay, that picture in the left corner is one of our schools. And they do have classrooms down on the first floor, but for three months out of the year, they have to move everything up. And they also use the top floors in the church, which is where I'm standing when I took that picture. So there they are. I believe they're in English class that day. Okay, this is a school up the northern coast of Peru, and as you can tell, they're in a building project. Um, this is a school that only went through sixth grade, and now they are adding seventh and eighth grades. And they're finishing the classrooms this month and next month uh, for ninth, tenth, and eleventh grades. And that's just another picture of that same school. And they finally got their roof on last year. Um, it's very hot up north in Peru, close to the Ecuador border, so everything's open air, so you can get some breeze. Hot and humid. Okay, this is a picture of the Christmas party. Wendy came and helped me wrap presents in October of 2010, and the, these were the gifts that Wendy helped me wrap. And uh, here's a very happy boy ready to open his gift. And when I go to the schools and, and do the Christmas parties with them, um, a lot of times they will, you know, have some type of a presentation. They'll do drama. They'll do poems, skits, whatever. And I believe this story was the Good Samaritan. And they get very creative with it. Here I am handing out some more presents. This, that, this year the boys got soccer balls. And here I am visiting one of the classes um, at one of the schools. I always like going in and talking to the kids. My trademark is my sweat towel and my bottled water at all the schools that I go. This is our other school in the jungle. As you can tell, it's like a small river that's out front. And it's not flooded at this time because that river is always out there. But this is during a medical team, and they're waiting in line to get in to see the doctors. Now this little boy who always has a smile on his face, his name is Eber. And he is from one of our schools in the jungles, and when he was a baby, he was crippled with meningitis. And what that means is, is as his legs grew, his muscles did not grow with his bones. 
So ever since he could walk, his legs were always half bent. He was very pigeon-toed, and he had to put every step forward from his hip. And so LACC uh, Medical Fund helped bring him to Lima, and he had surgery on both of his legs. And uh, he's going through therapy now. He, he is walking a lot better, and he will probably be in therapy for about another year at least. There he is. Cute kid. There he is. His legs are straight. I wish I had a picture to show you when his legs were bent to show you the difference. But there he is with his legs straight. Here I am translating for a doctor in the jungle. Okay, this is a picture from the roof of the school in Ayacucho, the city isolated in the Andes Mountains. This is about 8,000 feet above sea level. And that's just a, a pretty view there for you. This is the streets of Ayacucho. You can see the buildings are different, the architecture is different. The streets are very narrow. Most of the people walk or ride bicycles. You don't see as many cars and buses up here. And this is our school in Ayacucho. It goes all the way through high school, which is 11th grade in Peru. There's no 12th grade. Um, this school, there have been a lot of children that have graduated from this school who have gone on to the university, and they are now doctors, teachers. Some have come to Lima and enrolled in the Bible school, and now they're pastors. So we're very proud of this school. Uh, we're proud of all of our schools, but this school holds the record of most children going to the university after they have graduated from the school. Just a couple girls having a good time. Okay, who wants to know about the food in Peru? Okay, can anyone take a guess at what maybe this might be? <laughs> nope. It is a favorite in Peru throughout the entire country, but mostly in the mountain regions. And, nope, it's not goat. It's called cuy in Spanish, but in English, it's called guinea pig. And it comes complete with teeth and claws for your dining pleasure. And yes, I did eat it. <laughs> The yellow things are potatoes. Yes. Tastes like greasy, dark meat chicken. And not much meat on the bone. This is at one of our schools in Lima. And uh, had a team in back in March. And this was when we had given a salvation call. And this girl is responding and praying for Jesus to come in her heart. It was a very special day. And this is at the same school in Lima, but when we were talking to the high schoolers, and uh, this teacher here on the end in the blue shirt, she is the English teacher there at that school at that time, and she stood up in front of all her students to receive the Lord. And some of her students followed after her, and I thought that was a wonderful example that day that she, that she had for her students to stand up and receive Jesus. It was a very special moment. Okay, this is from our other school in Lima. I'm standing on the roof. 
taking this picture, you can see the haze over Lima. It's always humid. Lima is a desert, so the mountains are sand. You get a mist a few times a year, but no rain, no snow in Lima. This is our Christmas party of 2010 at um, the church there that's connected to the school. And this is also the church that I attend when I'm living in Peru. This was Christmas party day. They were singing and doing drama. They're very creative people. Okay, these are pictures from the 2011 Christmas parties that Bill and Lena have just finished up this past December in the schools. And these presents are the ones that you guys gave money towards, and I want to thank you guys so much. It helped us out this year. It gave us extra money to buy every single child in our schools a book bag to carry their books. So that's the school in Ayacucho. It has about, it has a little over 300 students right now. And here they are handing out the book bags and the presents. Okay, this girl, her name is Karen. In English, her name is Karen. And three years ago, when I first got to Peru, I learned that she had leukemia. And at that time, she had lost all her hair, and she wore a toboggan every day. And she was sick. She was very sick to the point where she couldn't come to school. Now, this is her today, after the Lord has healed her of leukemia, LACC Peru paid for her to have a blood transfusion, and since then she has gradually gotten better and better, and this is her today. Her hair is all grown back, she's healthy, and uh, this is another girl with her present. The girls and boys got games this year. There they are with their chess games. It's funny, some kids won't open their present when you give it to them. They're going to wait, and they're going to take it home, and they're going to open it on Christmas morning. And then other kids just tear into it right when you give it to them. It doesn't look like he's opened his yet. This little girl is writing her sponsor a thank you letter for uh, paying for her Christmas present. So the children who have sponsors, the sponsors are not obligated, but can send money in for their Christmas present. And here she is thanking her sponsor. This is another girl happy with her gift. When we go and do Christmas parties in the schools, we don't just give presents to those who are sponsored. LACC picks up the other part of the finances, like you guys gave $1,000 this year so we could go in and buy presents for all the children and not just the ones that were sponsored. Oh, missionaries love, we love our Speed the Light vehicles. This is Bill and Lena's Speed the Light vehicle and they're getting ready to go to one of the schools in Lima to hand out the presents. And here's some more, getting their gifts.
This is one of the schools in the jungle. As you can see, they've not opened them yet. Many of them are going to save it until Christmas morning. Okay, in December in Peru, it is summertime. So it is in the jungle about 100 degrees and at least 80% humidity. But it is tradition in Peru at Christmas time to eat paneton, which is like a fruitcake for us, but it's a little different, and hot chocolate. Now, how many wants to drink hot chocolate in 100-degree weather and 80% humidity? But they do, and they love it. It's a Christmas tradition throughout the entire country. So they're having their fruitcake and hot chocolate. So thank you for giving towards the Christmas uh, project in 2011. I was sad I couldn't be there to be a part of all the Christmas parties, but um, it was my turn to come home and, and visit the churches, and I'm very happy to do that. Um, I, I enjoy going around to the churches, meeting new people, and sharing what the Lord is doing in Peru. Um, there is one other thing I want to share with you. This ministry was Latin America Child Care, but there's something else that the Lord has put on my heart, and it's been on my heart for several years, and it's a ministry that I've named Padres in Cristo, which means Parents in Christ. And what it is is a foster care ministry. Uh, currently in Peru, there are thousands and thousands of children that are in government facilities. And the government facilities are overcrowded and understaffed, and these children do not have the benefit of being part of a family. Some of them have been abandoned. Some of them, their parents have been killed through terrorism or other acts of violence. Um, some of you may know the Shining Path exists in Peru. It is a terrorist group. It originated in the city of Ayacucho up in the mountains where we have a school. Um, our school is located in a gang area. Um, Five out of six of our schools are located in gang areas. And uh, so that just kind of gives you an idea. All these children have been abandoned for whatever reason, and they now reside in the government facilities. And I would like to look for Christian families in Peru that can take in a child for two years and even longer and be foster parents. The problem with this is that throughout most of Latin America, and I've learned in Peru, that foster care is a very new concept to them. So when you say foster care, they're like, well, what does that mean? What, what do I do? And it, it's hard for them to see that taking in a child that's not their biological child, they don't see the importance of that. They, it, it's hard for them to see the spiritual connection there and what a blessing they could be and what an instrument of God they can be in changing the life of a child. And so that's where I am with this ministry. Um, I am not giving up on it. I know that the Lord has called me uh, to do this ministry. I have spoken with the National um, Assemblies of God in Peru. They are backing me with this ministry and are giving me permission to travel to the Assembly of God churches throughout the country 
and promote this ministry. So that is a blessing and a praise report. Um, there is a uh, agency, a Baptist-based agency in Peru called Buckner, and uh, they do all the legalities. If I bring them a family, they do all the legalities. They approve this family to be a foster family, and then they receive placement. So I have one family that I took to this agency, and they were approved to be foster parents, but there is not a child at the age that they need that is available right now in Lima. So I ask you for your prayers. Um, this family, it is a pastor family. Him and his wife have one, bio, have one biological daughter, and she's 13 years old, and so they need a child from one of these government institutions that's available for foster care that is 13 years or younger. And right now there are more boys available for foster care than girls. So I need you to help me pray for a girl to come available for this family. Um, some of the greatest things in Peru that I have been able to learn over these past three years is that you can, you can go into Peru and you can, you can make friends and you can try to establish yourself in the culture and when people ask you, well, what are you doing in Peru? And I say, oh, I'm a missionary. Oh, okay, that's great, that's great. But I had this one friend and every time I started telling her about Jesus, she'd get really cold, and she'd be real standoffish, and she'd say, oh, that's for you, but that's not for me, I'm Catholic. I'm Catholic, I, I worship the saints. But after a little while, she came up to me and she said, you missionaries are like family. Us Catholics, we're not like that. But, but you missionaries, you're like family, it's like, it's like your brothers and sisters and, and you just all get along so good and, and you're like family. And that was an open door for me to share the gospel of Jesus with her. And uh, I just ask you to pray for her. name is Juliana and she is my friend in Peru. She is Catholic. And, uh, but I am believing that the Lord will do a great work in her heart and that he would use me to do it. Um, she is a sweet lady. She helped me a lot during my first term with everything that I had going on with being new in the country. And even though I spoke the language, it was still difficult at times. And, uh, and she, she really helped me. So just pray for Juliana that the Lord would soften her heart and that she would accept him. Um, I have thoroughly enjoyed sharing with you about Peru today and sharing my pictures with you guys. And um, God bless you all for your time. And I hope I can come back and visit again, hear one of y'all speak. <laughs> So what we've learned today is if you're in Peru, you go to the 11th grade and you're out. I saw all the kids were like, I'd love that. And you get to eat guinea pig, which ironically we brought today for the lunch. Everybody do this for me real quick. Take your right hand. Just put it out like that. 
That's the gospel. That's the gospel. It's about going out. That's what she shared about. That's what we are about here. We are about going out, not going in. Going out. The gospel is always extending. God is always moving out, pushing people out from where they are so they can reach people. We are about living near God so we can be sent to those far from him. That's what we're about. This morning we're going to take communion. Before we have our lunch, we're going to take communion. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to call you to focus about this while we take communion. What is the cross evidence of? The cross is evidence that God went to great lengths to reach out to us. Right? Right? And so when we take communion, we're supposed to remember that. I want to say this morning when we take communion, we're partnering with him. We're saying, you know what? I remember what you did for me, and I'm willing to do it for someone else. So this morning, when you come, if you come up here where I am, if you go over here where uh, Phil's going to be, if you come in the back where Jay is, um, and you take this bread and you dip it into the juice, that's what you're saying to God. This is not just an appetizer before we have a meal together. We are communing in the mission. That's what we do.